Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast. I'm Dominic Bohan, the host of the Data Driven Podcast here, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Deidre Downing, who is the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Deidre's got a wealth of experience in education focused on teaching large enterprises the value of data literacy. I'm thrilled to invite Deidre and some of her friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal listeners. Okay. Here's a special data literacy episode of the Data Driven Podcast, guest hosted by Deidre Downing, the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Hello, my name is Deidre Downing from Story IQ. And this week, we're going to discuss data strategy approaches and driving change with data. Joining me today is Krishnan Venkata, who is the Chief Client Officer at Leighton View Analytics, which is a global leader in data analytics. Specializing in end-to-end analytics strategy, optimization, and implementation, they collaborate with Fortune 500 enterprises. Levering technology, analytics, and strategic partnerships, they empower organizations to excel in the digital world through holistic and sustainable impacts driven by data. Today, Kristan and I are going to discuss a problem-first approach to data strategy. Okay, here's my conversation with Krishnan Venkata, the Chief Client Officer at Leightonview Analytics. Hi, Krishan. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for the opportunity, Deidre. Thank you and Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Yes, Happy New Year. We are just saying this is our first podcast of 2024, so uh, we will keep it going strong. So, you know, the first topic we're going to talk about today is that problem-first approach to data strategy. Can you just elaborate for our listeners what a problem-first approach entails and how that might be different from strategy that is used in other organizations? It's a great question and uh, something that seems very simple, but I think needs a lot of thought in terms of how we execute it. So in a lot of times, when you look at things that are happening around the world, you hear a lot of technologies, new advancements, etc. There's a lot of pressure with an organization to adopt new technologies. So you say, oh, you're hearing Gen AI, you're hearing Chat GPT, you're hearing artificial intelligence, etc. We need to adopt this, right? However, the first important thing to find out is, do you have a problem that can actually be solved with some of these new technologies? Or are you just trying to use technology for technology's sake? Seems fairly simple and intuitive, but trust me, a lot of times under the pressure of upper management, executive management, under the pressure of stockholders, shareholders that are there in the firm, investors, or even trying to keep up in pace with competitors to be able to be in front of the game, we get caught into the loop of trying to take technology solutions first rather than finding out problems which actually need technology so in a lot of things when we talk to clients and when clients come to me and tell me hey we would like to look at the latest technological innovations i'll talk about what are the problems that you're looking to solve let's look at that and then let's try to find out what are the kind of new innovations that are happening in the area uh, in these areas with other clients and then try to solve them so that's a that's kind of a subtle way of saying that we should look at the use cases first rather than the technology first. And do you find that's a challenge for companies? Do you think like the the bright shiny new you know program or technology draws people in to convince them they have a problem that they might not really have? It's a big problem, yeah. And uh, in a lot of cases, it's also driven by what we task our teams and and that that goes from the top of the uh, top of the food chain, right? In terms of what the board wants, what the executive management wants, etc. And they are driven by pressures which are outside 
uh, what is necessarily being the core problem to what they said. So it's not easy. It's not easy to say that this is good technology, but this is not relevant to the things that I'm looking to solve right now. So it's it's much harder than it looks. The second things are organizations' budgets are aligned sometimes to some of these initiatives. So it may be easier today to get a project executed if you say you have Gen AI solution there rather than just a regular solution. So there's a running joke in, in, in our company that whatever solution or slideware that we put together, we should say Gen AI at the end of it so that we will convince the client that we need to adopt it. So and and that's kind of it's kind of humorous, but it's also I've seen a lot of things where people just say, you know what, let's just use AI ML just to make sure that clients feel that they're trying to or trying to convince the client that that is why we should be doing this. Yeah. You know, AI is so popular and we talk about it in this podcast all the time. Are you finding that your clients are sort of coming to you and saying, we need an AI solution? Like this, this is, they've, they've already figured that out in their heads or are you just sort of seeing that that's where projects are getting greenlit when, when you have that, you know, generative AI component to them? Definitely the clients are willing to spend more on analytics overall and the new trends on AI ML, there's definitely a lot of appetite to do this, but there's also a frustration that there's a lot of money being thrown into analytics without the value of this, right? And that's again, going back to the first question that you have, if you don't have a problem first approach, you are trying to have a solution and trying to find a problem to fit that solution, right? So I think that's that's going to be the key. There are organizations which, however, say, I have a problem and I think we should use some of the latest technologies because these will help in certain things. And if you have that approach, if you're look ready to experiment and also ready to be impartial to saying that this didn't work for me and move on, they are successful. And there are organizations that are successful in this. It's not that all organizations fail, but I do feel that we get caught up into the technology uh, hype a lot more than what we should be. But there are organizations that do the problem first approach very well as well. And there is definitely a lot of money that is going into um, analytics, AI and ML, despite the fact of people saying that budgets are shrinking. There's a lot of, there is a lot of money to be had. Yeah. There's sometimes stretch where you, where you least expect it uh, in budgets or maybe where you most expect it, depending on what the popular topic of conversation is, particularly around technology and analytics. How do you, I guess, work with clients to get them to stop Focusing on a technology, let's say you have a client that is very much about adopting the newest technology. How do you get them to sort of switch their mindset and identify the problems that they want to solve? Uh, could you give us a little bit of an overview of your strategies for that? Sure. In a lot of cases, we when I, it depends really on the uh, the client maturity in terms of where they are. There are certain clients who are very clear about what they need, and in those cases, we don't go ahead, go and try to tell them or try to question them in terms of what they need. They're very clear in terms of what their needs are. They want us to be execution partners. We will be execution partners to them. But there are clients who come to us who are saying that, guys, we want to learn more, right? And that's the starting point for us saying that, let's try to understand the client's context a lot more. And so we start with asking a lot of questions rather than saying, let's come up with a set of solutions that we have implemented. And we do this in what we call a knowledge sharing workshop. Very powerful where the clients are not under pressure to say that, oh, this is a supplier who's coming and trying to sell solutions. And we are under no uh, pressure to sell, but we are trying to understand from the client what they are looking to accomplish. So the first thing is to identify what are the kind of problems that they're looking for, starting from, okay, I want to improve top line. I have high customer churn rate, et cetera. It could be as high level as that. And then we start drilling down into what are the specifics in terms of it. 
why are you not able to address these questions why are you not able to hold your customers back why are you not able to target them better and that's when you start understanding oh the data is not in the right shape why is the data not in the right shape you're not capturing the data then we start identifying okay these are problems that need to be fixing and then you chart a roadmap with them in terms of these are the things we'll accomplish for solving these business use cases and this is how we have done this so we start with what are the problems what potential solutions could be there to those problems and by the way how have we helped other clients solve these problems right and then they'll be saying that okay let's start going to the next so it's a knowledge sharing workshop is a great start both ways and for clients it's a great way to understand what's happening out in the world i tell a lot of uh, people that clients are very good in what they know about their business you can't educate a client about their business more than what they know they definitely they're living and breathing that but what you can always educate them is what other businesses or other firms are doing and that they are they definitely will be that is where a firm like us which works with over 30 fortune 500 companies across the globe can bring value to these through a knowledge sharing workshop That element of knowledge sharing seems so essential in really helping people understand their problems because as you said we can sometimes live in a silo or in our own box in our own organization but I think stepping back and thinking about like you know your problem isn't necessarily as unique as you think it is it's a it could be a fairly common problem that has a much easier solution than you might anticipate and I think sometimes people just need to hear that about their challenge Yeah and they also need to understand that other firms also face similar challenges and other firms are also looking to experiment what i tell with a lot of my clients and what we have seen is and i think this is similar to the michael jordan quote right you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take right and we tell clients that it is a much tougher thing not to do anything and you're definitely guaranteed failure if you don't do anything but you are guaranteed at least 25% success if you try a few things so try keep experimenting and try enough experiments and you will succeed in a few and that's what we have noticed in our examples and we have actually got data to show clients which have innovated actually only have a 25% success rate but the fact that they did enough experiments and enough uh, things helped them succeed and that's what and typically people do a lot of thinking about whether we should experiment whether we should try new things etc try it and fail fast feeling fast right and that as you're talking about doing experiments i i wonder you know do you run into clients who don't really have the endurance for you know going experiment after experiment if they're not working like how how open are your clients to you know trying 3 4 5 things i'm not sure what the typical number of of experiments you ask them to run is but i imagine that can be challenging if the, if results are not happening as quickly as they would like actually there are two types of clients who don't want to experiment right clients who are doing everything right and who are doing really well they don't want to experiment they are like why fix something that's not broken or why even explore something that's not broken right there are companies that i don't want to quote them there are companies that have been in the space which say that we won't do consumer insights because we know more about the consumer than the consumer himself knows it right and how do you tell them about consumer insights being a very important function around this we've also found on the other side there are com- companies that have got structural problems in how they are set up right uh, they just don't have a right product market fit etc in that case analytics or ai ml is not necessarily the solution you have a core problem to fix in terms of this so we see companies that are both spectrums where we find appetite with a lot of companies is they know that they need to do certain things they are not 100% there they need to be they are lagging behind 
and they feel that they have some things that are there which can help them go to the next level that's where we find so the best customers that we have are not the most successful but the customers who have all the dna to be successful but are missing those or, or are misfiring that's where we have the most successes the yeah the open mindedness to to experimentation and i think that i mean if if a company can be self reflective right that's that's really what's happening there noting that there is that room for growth that seems like an ideal client for really opening up that knowledge sharing conversation and helping and giving you what you need to help them absolutely i think the clients are getting more and more open minded some of it is also as i stayed for about let's say about 13 years in the us i can say that it's gone through a big up spectrum right on the west coast i find clients a lot more open to have conversations learning more uh, this one it's just basic because of the dna that we have seen but i'm seeing clients in the east coast clients in europe etc being a lot more open right now than they were they were a decade or a decade and a half back and it's all just cultural in terms of what they have been done what types of businesses have been there where technology has mushroomed and innovation has happened etc but increasingly now with technology social media things around there i see that there's more openness to have conversations and more openness to understand that there are things that we need to experiment around i was trying to decide if i if i wanted to take offense to that as an east coaster of uh, of not being open but you know it's a lot of older more traditional companies started here i can see where there's there's a regional difference in in openness <laughs> yeah i think um, well i i do understand that i would say that i feel that the biggest impact that we have been able to drive is around businesses outside the west coast and i am biased i've been in seattle for the last 13 years i've managed the west coast for the Uh, from 2010 to 2017 so I'm, i'm i may be a biased west coaster but i do spend a lot of my time now in east coast and this one in in the next in february for example i'm spending three out of my four weeks actually in the east coast and in uk uh, spending time with clients there on knowledge sharing workshops so i would say that that has been very different from what i would have done about 7 to 8 years back and that shows more openness and i think we are also able to see more value being driven for clients out there so i wouldn't take offense to it but i i apologize if uh, no offense meant <laughs> no none none taken at all you know i i think certainly the openness can also come from the fact that innovative organizations are seeing success right they're seeing an increase in value and so it's hard to ignore that and to ignore the opportunity to unlock your potential i have a One of the questions I was sort of thinking through when when I was looking at your topic is just wondering what level you tend to work at within an organization because I could see the potential challenge in focusing on a single problem in that it's not a broad enough problem, right? It's it's very niche or it might not actually be as valuable to the organization as it could be if you step back. So, can you tell me about how you figure out the right you know level of problem to start offering experiments and and suggestions for it's actually a difficult question to answer and we kind of also discovering and reinventing that as we go on with organizations which are i would say sub 10 billion dollars in revenue we would work with the c suite in a lot of those cases where we find that analytics and some of those decisions around ai ml gen ai etc are made at that level or at least at an svp level uh, if not anything else but in larger organizations and we work with quite a few large organizations we work with the top four technology firms in the world etc their decision making is quite decentralized there are departments that are operating and 
we don't have access to the C-suite or the C-suite is actually cut off from some of these operational decision making. There we do work with the directors and the GMs in a lot of cases, the vice presidents, and they are able to have it. Our typical look at this, and let me take it off the record. I, I paused too much in that. So let me just take a step back on that. Our typical way of approaching uh, problems is it's not just too small where we are not able to drive a business impact. So what we try to start from is identifying what is the business problem? What is the impact that an analytical solution will provide them? And then identify a roadmap of uh, what we can do. And it is never a very small, I come here, do a small project, get out and leave you with that. We may have done a few of them in the early part of uh, 2010, uh, but increasingly when we work with clients currently, we work with them as an analytics partner or as, a, or as an extended analytics arm for their current operations. So we are working on a host of problems which can be made better with using data. That trusted partner model seems essential in this situation where yeah, it seems like you can't possibly be a one and done solution, particularly as business problems evolve and technology, as you said, evolve. So that's, uh, that, that's really helpful to sort of think about, yeah, how do you go into what size problem is, is worth it to, to bring your team in? Well, we're going to talk tomorrow about driving change with data. And it seems like this first step is identifying a challenge or identifying the problem that you want to solve. Then perhaps the harder work comes in and driving that change and making it happen. So I look forward to that conversation tomorrow. Before we wrap up here, is there anything else you'd want to share about taking this problem first approach that we didn't uh, broach in our conversation yet? Um, nothing specific, but the only thing that I would always start with in a lot of times is question why we need to do something, right? Always ask those five whys around why do I need to do it? Why do I need to do it right now? Um, why is this going to be important? Why is this the top problem that I'm going to see? The moment we start asking and questioning why we need to do something, we can get either two things. One, we understand that we don't need to approach it because we don't have a problem to solve. Or two, we have a better clarity on why we are solving this problem and we can build a better case for it. So I think the asking the why on anything that we want to approach with is a great start to finding out whether we are going with a technology-based or technology-first approach or a problem-first approach. Great advice there. Well, thank you so much. That's going to wrap up this data literacy episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Krishnan Venkata, Chief Client Officer at View Analytics for joining us. Join us again tomorrow when Krishnan and I continue our conversation and discuss how to drive change with data. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Krishnan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at LeightonView.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. Of course, you can always reach me. Just submit an inquiry at storyiq.com. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that when it comes to data, less is more. Bye.